Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by recurring guest of The Rebuild, Jordan Climac. Jordan, you ready for so another I'm, episode? Yes. So I was so, do I get, um, my, do I get the friend of pod tag? Like, is, yeah, is, yeah, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If we had merch, <laughs> I'd send it to you, but we don't. So <laughs> when we do, right, I'll yeah, get you so, a t-shirt. Friend of the pod is back. No, but I'm excited to, to be back. Uh, talk a little, talk a little Browns uh, free agents this time, Henry. Uh, and we've been talking so much about uh, who we need to get. Now let's talk a little bit about who we have to keep. Let's, let's dive into this. Let's just go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's go. I'm ready to go right now. I, I, I got things I'm ready to say. Let's just start dishing it out. <laughs> I love the energy. I love the energy. Yeah. So you, you said it. Uh, we're going to talk biggest free agents that the Browns need to retain. So people that were on the roster last year that the Browns should be bringing back with their cap space that has now been figured out with the salary cap release and all that stuff. So yeah, we've been talking JJ Watt, Richard Sherman, there's, you know, Marshawn Lattimore trade rumors, all that kind of stuff. But, but who from this Browns roster should we keep? And so I, you know, we pulled up the spot track list as one does looking at all the, the names on here. And the biggest thing that stuck out to me, Jordan was, the only really expensive player from last year's team that is a free agent is Olivier Vernon at $11 million right. a year last year. And of course the Achilles injury, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to find a different market for himself out there. Just to kick things off with him. What do you do if you're the Browns in with him, given the fact that he's got this Achilles injury, he might not even come back in 2021 at all. Do you take a low cost flyer on him? Or at this point, is it just, Hey, we need to upgrade JJ Watt or somebody young, somebody else can't count on him at all to come back on this team. Yeah. It's the latter that I, th I think you need to upgrade. And I think it's, it's sad too, because it's really just all about health. Like, um, like, you know, it's sad to, for the other reason being that like, dude, he started to ball. He started to show some signs last year. And it, it's the thing about it too, that sucks though, is he started to have his, you know, show life as, as a Brown for like the first time ever, right when Miles Garrett went out. So he had to assume that role of, of being that dominant pass rush on the defensive line. He was able to do so for a couple of games, but it seemed like he never really clicked with Miles on the field together for whatever reason um, over that two year period. So I think it's time to move on, Henry. But again, it all comes back to that Achilles injury. Like if, if he was, if he didn't injure his Achilles and we were sitting here, like maybe we can bring him back on, on like a lower deal, you know, lower that salary down from 11 million a little bit and, and kind of go from there. I would, I could be talked into that, but again, like he's probably not going to be ready for like a, still another year. And, and with Achilles injuries, you don't know how they come back. Like there's no telling he's going to be the same player when he comes back. So too big of a question mark there for me to, you know, make a case for bringing Olivier Vernon back. I think it's time to move on. I think we know what we need, and that's a pass rush. We talk about how we, if you're going to do anything in the AFC, you have to have a pass rush because we saw what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So it, it comes down to upgrading this spot. Olivier Vernon, I'm sorry, but I think your time has, has ran out here. I agree, and – you said it. his production this year was, was actually pretty good. I thought he yeah. could have made a nice compliment to Garrett, but age 30, by the time you're back from the Skellies, he'll be 31. 
that's uh, already getting up there for a pass rusher, right? And a guy that's already dealt with some injuries in his career. And it's just, it's such a brutal injury. It's almost worse than a torn ACL. People always talk about how it's the death nail in basketball, but for a pass rusher in the NFL, it's pretty bad too. The Achilles is not one you want to see. So I just don't think there's a way to bring him back on any kind of deal that makes sense. And, and so that's why uh, I think the Browns have to move on to, to, to JJ Watt and, and the, all the other free agency and draft tar- targets that we've been talking about on this podcast. It really doesn't make sense. I think in any way to bring him back. So now we're talking all players that, that were on, you know, a couple million dollar a year contracts, Jordan, from the list of remaining guys, is there somebody that stands out to you as somebody you would say the Browns really need to bring him back on this team next season? For me, like, it's, it's funny. I don't know if there's anyone that I necessarily would say need. I mean, there are people I think that would be nice to bring back, but the one name that I think gets close to the need for me, it's Rashard Higgins. It's Rashard Higgins, and, and it just comes down to the fact that, A, again, we're talking about injuries and people, you know, coming back from injuries. I get that the whole ACL thing is a little bit different now. You know, in the old school it used to be that, like, you know, that's that was a brutal injury. You're going to be out for a year, and we don't know how long you know, it's going to be until we see the same player that we saw before. I think it's a little bit different now. I think someone like OBJ, um, he's in good enough shape and he's enough an athlete that I think he can bounce back from it. But still, there's the question mark of how he's going to bounce back. Then you have Jarvis as well. So who's going to be that third guy? To me, it's Rashard Higgins. And we saw the chemistry, you know, last year, We, which I don't even want to get into last year, why he those healthy scratches for no reason. I don't know what the hell is going on somehow in Freddie kitchen's doghouse. And then he comes in, you know, this year he was, wasn't seeing the field a lot at the start of the year as well. And then all of a sudden he's like, if for whatever reason, every time he was on the field, I feel like he impacted in, excuse me, he impacted the game in a positive way, whether it be touchdown catches or a big catch here and there. And he just, to me, seemed like he was Baker Mayfield's security blanket that guy that he can go to when he needs someone to make a play. He trusts him. We saw the chemistry there. I think when you see your quarterback start to develop chemistry with guys like this, when you're trying to build something going forward, I think Rashard Higgins is the exact guy that you do need to bring back in this situation. The only one I'll say that you need, because again, it's, it's kind of like, I don't necessarily know if we need him, but like it's close to a need, put it that way. It's a little strange, right? Because he, if you kind of think about the, the Browns roster in a macro sense, he doesn't exactly plug the need for speed really because he's not very fast and, and Landry's kind of the main possession receiver operating out of the slot. And, and so at first it's kind of like, oh, where is he? We have Donovan Peoples-Jones. But, but if you just look at what he did last season from a production standpoint, it was solid. He has a knack for yep. getting open. He had clearly has a rapport with Baker Mayfield. I saw this tweet actually today from, from Cody Sweck, uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. it. It came up on my timeline. So I just found it again, Jordan, because uh, you brought up Richard Higgins of all of 50 receivers. Oh, excuse me. Of 87 qualifiers with 50 or more targets among receivers. Richard Higgins was first in positive play percentage and second in yards per target. So even though you don't think of him as like a deep guy, he runs a lot of those deep middle routes pretty successfully and Baker finds him on those for pretty big plays. And he's a good route runner too. Like I feel like he does get enough credit for that. And it's funny too, because wasn't it Collinsworth 
on one of the broadcasts. It might have even been the playoff game against the Steelers. I think he said something like, you know, Rashard Higgins, he's not a fast guy, and he's not a good route runner. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, have you been watching film? Have you been studying up? Like, I don't know. I To me, he's always been crisp in his routes. And, like, to your point, like, don't you have to be crisp in your routes if you're a guy that, like, we're talking about doesn't really necessarily have the speed. He's not going to outrun you. and He's not going to, you know – win in a physical match against you he's kind of just that guy that he's gonna find his spots on the field get to where he needs to where baker's comfortable getting him the ball and i attribute that a lot to being a good route runner so i just think that's funny to like i don't know if there was like some narrative going on that he wasn't a good route runner or if it was just chris collinsworth just i don't know what he was saying but yeah i mean he's that security blanket for baker and a guy that he can go to when he needs someone to go to and that's and that's big going forward without question for sure i I'm with you on, on the Richard Higgins page, and I think he'll come at a pretty decent price. I think that's what I was going to say. How much, how, like, so what would you be willing to, to dish out here? Because to me, this screams like maybe two year, smaller cap figure. I don't, I don't know where you've come out on that. Six, seven million. I, I, I think yeah. he's, I think he's in trouble, honestly, from his own perspective, just because I think he falls into the middle tier targets that even though there was some positive cap news, you know, in, in the last week or so, that, He's gonna get squeezed. Originally, I, the the projections I saw on him were two years, ten million roughly. So kind of five million guaranteed the first year, and then a partial guarantee on the second year. I don't even think he's gonna get that much at this point, given yeah. the, the, the market depression. I think it's gonna come down. And from the team perspective of the Browns, obviously that plays in their favor. Without question, I like that two year window for him, um, and I don't think you want to overpay. Again, to your point, I don't see that. I don't see 10 million that like, I don't know. That's just 5 million a year seems a lot to me. I, I, to your point, I think it's somewhere in that six to seven range. And look, I'd be here for that. I mean, we have the cap room to do it. So why not get it done? And it wasn't there a lot of talk earlier in the year. Like wasn't Richard like tweet or people were tweeting about like, didn't he get close to getting a deal done during the season? Like, did we ever find out what happened with that? Because I remember there were tweets going around about, Oh, we're think maybe it was just that they were thinking about um, re-upping his contract. I don't exactly remember, but there was definitely something there. So I wonder what happened to those talks, if and when they were going on during the regular season. There, there were definitely some rumblings that that maybe there it was... wasn't like OBJ tweeting at him or something like about like yeah, hey so get that money. Or something. It sounds like Higgins took a hometown discount this last year to return to the Browns. Yeah. It sounds like there, there were rumblings that there might have been some conversations about, hey, you'll take this discount for this year, but if things go right, you know, there'll they'll be an offer for you next year. Kind of how, like, okay. people always okay. talk about with trades, how people kind of have those conversations in advance. It yeah. seems like there might have been some conversations kind of happening in advance as far as what Richard Higgins might expect to be on the table for the Browns. So, yeah, I would not be surprised at all if he's back in a Browns uniform. In fact, I would expect him to be. Uh, unless another team comes with a pretty big offer. Yeah, not only expect him. Like, I want him to be. I like I like how he fits into this team. I think he has, like, a certain swagger about him that, like, the guys can feed off of. Like, you know, it's one of those guys that, like, you love. Like, if you play sports, like, you love to see succeed. Like, anytime he scores a touchdown, you see the whole team is over there. They're rolling out, doing the Hollywood Higgins, you know, the red carpet and all that. It's, it's just one of those guys that I think is good for the locker room and good for this team moving forward. For sure, for sure. For me, this might be a controversial take. <laughs> I think Cody Parkey st- needs need? to be back on the oh, Browns. Okay. <laughs> because right, you, you, you got to break this down for me. Okay, I 
Is Cody Parkey a fantastic kicker? No, but he stabilized the position for this team. And, and I don't know, to me, kicker is such a, a wishy-washy thing where it, once you find somebody who's, who's at least stable, you kind of got to ride with them because the idea of not having a good kicker, which the Browns have had in the past, I just hate. I hate it. And so, yes, Cody Parkey's not Justin Tucker, but to me, he gets the job done. And when I looked at this list, I, I don't know why he stood out to me, just because I think I value kicker more than most NFL teams do in general. The certainty of having a good kicker to me is quite valuable. And Cody Parkey, in my opinion, is at, for all the the stuff that happened in Chicago, I think he actually is a legitimate you know, top 20-ish NFL kicker that deserves to be on the Browns roster. So I, I don't know if you're saying that, like, are you, are you saying that you're like just a fan of Cody Parkey or is it more of like a I'm I'm a fan try to replace him like I don't know how much better it would be so why not just keep him yeah kind of seems like the latter okay yeah so I'm 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 defending Cody Parkey in the sense that we have a semi-stable kicker and if the Browns want to be in playoff contention and Super Bowl contention they can't afford to move on from him and get somebody worse you look at the Titans kicking situation this last year disaster you look at the bucks kicking situation two years ago disaster those things cannot happen on teams if you want to compete so you're just Henry. somebody who's not <laughs> terrible but here's the thing the bears kicking situation when they had cody parkey disaster <laughs> like you know what i mean like <laughs> his nickname is double doink like <laughs> i just i just don't know if i can ever start a guy group. whose nickname is double doink i just i don't know if i, I don't know if i can do it They'll probably bring somebody in to compete with him in camp. It'll probably come down to a couple of kicks. I'm never quite sure how they, how they, how they do this. But not to mention, he, didn't didn't Austin Cyber, who was the Browns kicker before Cody Parkey, didn't he like have a decent year last year? Eh, I don't know about decent. I thought Austin Cyber struggled. But to be honest, okay. I would be lying to you if I had Austin Cyber's kicking stats off the top. <laughs> right, of my head. like. Breakdown. Well, actually, he was, you know, uh, 14 of 17 uh, kicking last year. <laughs> I, I am Googling I that as impressed. we speak because that is not in the rundown doc as far as research, I'll be honest. <laughs> Cody, but, looking up uh, or Austin Seibert stats from 2020, uh, not on your agenda? Okay, so it looks like his field goal percentage was 86%, 25 of 29 in 2019. Okay, so you're right. So, yeah, all right, solid. I might have to back off my Cody Parker. Okay. I, I, I recant. How about that? Sometimes, so, I, so I was able to, I was able to talk you into JJ Watt and out of Cody Park. <laughs> Look, sometimes on this podcast, as much preparation as we do going in, sometimes other points are made and you have to change your mind. You get new information and I've gotten new information and I, uh, I'll change my mind on that one. So I'll bring up the next person that stood out to me. I don't even think he necessarily is going to be a starter on this team next year, but I think the Browns need to bring back Carl Joseph, given how often they play three safeties. And given the fact that right now, I think Ronnie safety or Ronnie safety, Ronnie Harrison (laughs) is the only Brown you can count on playing safety next year. Obviously Grant Delpit would be great if he comes back. I think they'll probably sign somebody in free agency potentially as well, but I think you probably need to bring back Carl Joseph as an insurance blanket because this team plays three safeties a lot. Right. But here's the thing with that. So 
do you consider Carl Joseph like a great or even good um how do I put this like a passing passing game safety um like a, a cover of safety for lack of a better no, term I like, think he's more insurance on on Ronnie Harrison right, right. as more of a physical safety I would say okay but I because think I was gonna say mediocre in coverage but that's here's the thing so don't you want your third safety if you're gonna play you know, some formations where, you know, coverage warrants a third safety to be better in that passing game on defense. I think I think that's a question that you have to ask if you're talking about a, a third safety, because as you said, uh, we're looking at, I mean, we don't know what we're going to get from Grant Delpit, but I think you right now can pencil him in if you're assuming he's going to be healthy. And then, of course, Ronnie Harrison. So a third guy, I mean, I think it was uh, Sheldrick from Redwine, if I'm not mistaken, was the play that saw a lot of uh, – he got a lot of tick this year in that third safety spot and not the best in, at, at coverage, not, not the worst, but I, I do think that if you're looking at a third safety, you have to value his uh, ability to cover. To me, I think I see Carl Joseph as safety four. So I think Grant Delpit, as you mentioned, I think there's a very good chance. And, and I actually talked about this with Jake Burns on our last podcast that the Browns spent some money on a free agent safety because the market there is very deep. There's tons of names, Marcus May, Marcus Williams. It could be a slot corner instead. Maybe they choose to go that kind of direction. But to me, I think there's a solid chance that that's their third safety. And then Carl Joseph is safety number four. So if you're going to play three safeties on the field a lot, he's still not on the field. But as injuries happen, as we've seen with Grant Delpit and Ronnie Harrison, he comes in and he can be – adequate both in coverage and in the run game if needed I again we're talking low level guys really we're talking end of the roster people but I just think given that how the Browns want to play schematics wise that he makes a lot of sense to bring back on this team and I would look if if he's brought back I don't have his contract numbers in front of me do you have his contract he's numbers two in and front a half, of you, well two and a half million last year way on, okay. on the deal with the Browns so I, I would Which, so more than that yeah, one year, two and a half million. Like, I'm totally fine with something in that same price tag for this year. And I don't think it would be, if you were going to bring him back, something more than a year. I think that uh, he plays another one-year deal if he does here. But then that, you know, then that rings the question of, does someone else offer him a multi-year deal? And he kind of, you know, takes that with, with the insurance of the extra year of, the, of her staying in here. Or maybe, or maybe the Browns are at a point now where it's, you know, we're contenders and people want to stay here for, Maybe, you know, um, a lesser deal. I, I don't know where it's at, but you got to think that if he gets a multi-year offer somewhere else, and I don't know what his value is right now. We know that it's deep draft in, in, uh, in terms of secondary this year. So it'll be interesting to see how teams really kind of address the safety position this year. It will. It will. I, as I said, I expect the Browns to go out in free agency and get somebody. So I, it's not the biggest deal to me, but but he was one that I, I looked at and I was like, I would like the Browns to potentially bring him back as a Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Somebody I have defended in the past who I have now renounced as somebody I would not like the Browns to bring back is Larry Ogunjobi. Jordan, how do you feel about him in a potential return uh, to the Browns at that D-tackle position? It's, it's interesting because he, he, weirdly he's like older than I expected um, for whatever reason. And I saw that he was 27. I, I, I was like, is he? I thought he was like maybe tw- more closer to 25 or something like that for some reason. But yeah, I don't know. It comes all, it all comes down to the price tag. And if he's going to demand, like, what do you think that the value or the market is going to be like for defensive tackle? I mean, I, it, I, I think it's a valuable position. It just, it's going to turn, come down to what he's being offered. I, I don't think that the Browns would, and I don't think that they should cash him out by any means, but it'll be interesting to see what the defensive tackle market is. And if, I mean, if he's, if he's going to be around for less, um, you know, cheaper than we expected. I would listen to bringing him back, but he, if he's going to warrant a big payday, I don't think it happens, and I don't think it should. The market this year is so weird because some teams exactly. have lots of cap space. You look at the Patriots, you look at some other, the Jets, etc., have tons of cap space, and then some teams are so capped out. The Steelers, the Saints, beyond capped out, where they have no money to spend. So, depending on on those teams, you know, and how they maneuver around, the market could shift drastically. I just think that Larry Ogunjobi is not going to get a lot of offers that he thinks he's going to get out there is my interpretation. So I wouldn't be surprised. So does he come back? Does he come yeah, back? So I wouldn't like, be surprised yeah. if he comes back. He indicated at the end of the season, like it was time for a new chapter or something along yeah, those what lines. Did he say? But some, some cryptic. Uh, yeah. It was, it, was, it was an Instagram. I think it was an Instagram. Uh, okay. But uh, I, 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 I like it. the reason I defended Larry Ogunjobi is I thought he did a lot of the dirty work in the run game that allowed Miles Garrett to be a pass rusher. And I thought that that wasn't always reflected in the analytics on him. They didn't really love him as a, he doesn't get to the quarterback as a pass rusher, all of those things. But as I look at this Browns team now going forward, that's just not good enough. They, they need somebody there who's a little bit more of a pass rusher. They need somebody a little bit more versatile in my opinion opinion and honestly i think andrew billings is just as good as larry Ogunjobi. that's right. really what it comes and, down to and he was out with co- because of covid opt-out last year and he's just he's not going to be this year he's going to be back playing and not to mention another name would be jordan elliott who they drafted you know um mm-hmm. this year this past year and he's going to warrant some playing time as well i mean this is the regime that's still in control that drafted him so we'll, we'll see how that plays out and yeah i just i don't think he's back and i think we can both sit here and agree that like sheldon was that guy if, if it's going to come down to like Mm-hmm. which defensive tackle or which nose tackle would you rather have? I think Sheldon was that guy. But did the Browns really take that big of a, a dip when, when Larry wasn't playing? Like, wasn't like Vincent Taylor or someone like that? Like these Vincent guys were like Taylor. in and like, I feel like we weren't missing that big of a, a beat. I mean, I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but. No, I, I think you're right. And I also think as free agent targets get bandied about and the one that's most obvious, so I'll bring it up as JJ Watt comes in, he shifts around inside sometimes. And so if that, op- 
offers up some more opportunities for Adrian Claiborne, a draft pick that they bring in to help on the, on the pass rush, all of those things. I think I'd rather have a cheaper option at defensive tackle that you don't feel the pressure to play and you can kind of move your DNs inside, take that person off the field, get more pass rush help on the field. I like all of those options more than Larry Ogunjobi. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back either. Yeah, I, for some reason, I just don't expect him back. I, I don't think he's going to be. It certainly with seemed like he wanted to move on. We'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah, so. and, and, and not to mention, I just think the two biggest factors in that, other than, of course, that it seems like he's going to want to get paid somewhere else. Is just the fact of Jordan Elliott and and um, Andrew Billings. I think it's just, I think the writing is kind of on the wall there. Yeah, I I agree, I agree. Uh, some of the other names. Give me some that, BJ. Give me some BJ. I was so I was just going there. I was going to say oh, some yes, of the yes. other names. Great minds. Great that minds. that played significant snaps. The the two really on this list are BJ Goodson and Terrence Mitchell. If, if either one of those guys stand out to you as somebody that should be on the Browns roster next year. I think BJ Goodson does. Um, I think so too. And it's funny. Cause like Henry, when we signed him, I remember thinking to myself like, okay, you know, like we need, we obviously needed to address linebacker. I didn't think it was going to be like this. And, you know, the main reason being is because when we, you know, he was never really a three snap down guy and, and, you know, his time in green Bay or, or any anytime in the NFL. So it was like, okay, so he's not really gonna be a three down guy. Can we rely on him that much? I think he kind of became one and like he was solid, man. He he was out of all of our linebackers this year, I think that the case could be made. And I think it would be a pretty solid case that he probably had the best year of any linebacker. I mean, uh, again, that's not saying much, sadly, but I do think that that case could be made. I certainly would listen to you if you were trying to make it. So with that being said, and us knowing that we're still linebackers still going to be a problem do you address it in free agency do you address it in the draft we'll see but if you lose bj goodson and you don't really upgrade there i think your linebacking core can take a pretty big hit so i think i'd be interested again on smaller shorter one-year two-year deal like let's just keep with guys like bj goodson carl joseph let's keep these one-year deal going while we're you know still trying to compete for a super bowl and and we have guys that you know we might need to pay more dollars to like a JJ Watt, you know, Baker's going to need to be paid at some point. So while that's going on, I like these little one-year deals for kind of like scrappy veteran guys like BJ Goodson. I do too. And, and on top of that, I think BJ Goodson just makes sense from a fit perspective with the other linebackers. Yeah. His weakness really has always been covering people in the passing. Field, right. right. And, and yep. he, he certainly had that issue at, at times this year, but I've been banging the drum that the Browns just need to play the right linebackers. And I think the combination of him with the speeder linebacker, like a Jacob Phillips, who right, ne- yeah. didn't, didn't necessarily grade out that well this year, but I liked, I thought Jacob Phillips showed a lot of improvement towards the end of the year, demonstrating that sideline to sideline speed. I think there are pairings with BJ Goodson where you can get away with the fact that he's not the quickest out in space. You can help scheme that away from him and get other linebackers involved in that as well. So, and I, frankly, I, as much as I didn't like Mac Wilson this season and was frustrated with how he played in coverage, Mac Wilson's not bad. It's the fact that he can't tackle people. That's the biggest yeah. thing. So I, I, I do think BJ Goodson kind of fits in with the Browns mold. So if they don't upgrade at linebacker, if they focus on secondary and pass rush and put the resources in there, I think he makes sense as a fine stopgap. 
Yeah, and again, I like him in the run game, and we got to get better in the run game. Seems like we say that every year still. So I, for that reason, yeah, I would like to see him back. And I think it would make sense, again, for your uh, for both sides. And I like your point, too, with uh, Jacob Phillips and kind of pairing him with a, a faster guy. We talked about how, you know, we've in the couple, we've done a couple of handful of podcasts at this point. Like in every podcast at some point, the term speed has came up. So, again, if you can pair him with someone quick, someone with speed in, in that linebacking position, I think that it's a perfect fit moving forward, and it would make sense for both sides going forward as well. For sure, for sure. And as far as Terrence Mitchell is concerned, I, he was a fine stopgap. He was a fine stopgap. I don't really want him on this team next year just because I think he's limited in, in terms of his speed, and, and he's an older vet. So if he's on this team next year, to me, that means they didn't do the necessary upgrades at corner that I want. So is there a world where we don't bring Terrence Mitchell back? We're relying on Greedy Williams, again, giant question mark hasn't proven that he can stay healthy really hasn't proven that he can play when he is healthy so it's like is there a world where we rely on him and then that doesn't work out and we're kind of sitting here like man I kind of wish we had Terrence Mitchell still like because look I mean if we're being realistic do you remember last year Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward both missed the first four games of the year and it was TJ Carey and Terrence Mitchell at corner they kind of held down the fort for the most part it really did. And I, I, at times this year, I don't think that I was ever saying like, well, I mean, again, he had his moments. He had his, he has good moments. He had his bad moments talking about Terrence Mitchell and, and like, but I don't know if I was ever at one point, like, uh, you know, we, we kind of lost that game because Mitchell was just getting torched that whole time. Like, I don't remember really saying that in the past two years. I think he's solid. He's the one that's really interesting to me if he's going to be back with this team or not, because Again, there's a lot, there's really, there's only one cornerback on the roster right now that you know can play, that being Denzel Ward. So interesting to see how they're going to handle that situation this year. I I think there's going to be a corner that's taken in the draft. I hope they sign a slot corner and don't rely on Kevin Johnson. But again, that's, yeah, but that's that's relying on an unknown. You know what I mean? So you're going against the proven, in, in a sense, to an unknown and, I'm not 100% sure that that's the right move to do when you're, again, you're trying to contend. So it'll be interesting to see. That That is that is a, a good point you bring up because I know Browns fans are certainly excited for the draft and I am too. But something to certainly keep in mind as we go into this free agency period is even if these guys aren't the biggest names, even if it's not Marcus Williams and it's a, a lower tier safety or even if it's not Carl Joseph but it's another veteran that's not that exciting there does need to be a balance of veterans and rookies right because even if your rookies are good you can't just play seven rookies on the field at the same time right like they're going to get confused they're not going to be able to hold up in the same way uh, against nfl offenses so i i I expect as i said them to draft uh, an outside corner there are a bunch of big physical corners in the second and third round of this draft that i think would be wise for the browns to take uh, I've mentioned Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, uh, Melifonwu out of Syracuse. Everybody keeps bringing up who's got a brother in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think those guys could be helpful upgrades. And then you feature Grady Williams. But I hear I hear you. I, I think if you bring in a veteran slot corner, even if you've got one rookie on the outside, to me, that's not the end of the world. As I said, they could also address safety. So maybe there's some experience behind the corner there. I just, Terrence Mitchell, to me, 
just screams, we can't play press coverage. We have to back off. And that's always an outlet that allows the team that that's a bailout for a team that's scared of Miles Garrett, essentially. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily sitting here like banging the drum, like in standing outside of Brio with thinking pitchforks, like <laughs> need to resign Terrence Mitchell. Well, I think that's <laughs> like, the theme fine. of this episode in general. But. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, by no means is, is that the case, but I just, I think that if there's a, if there's a chance that you can to avoid playing the unknown in a circumstance where we might regret doing it, I think you do have to look into that. And, and if that's bringing Terrence Mitchell back on, you know, a, a veteran type deal, then I, I, I think you do have to at least consider it. I, and, but again, it's just so, I, I, I'm going to be so interested to see how they go about this defense this year, man, because again, you, you talked about that balance between young player and veteran and like how they're going to go about molding that into that defense is something that I'm really looking forward to see for sure. Absolutely. And as, as I take a look at the rest of this list, Jordan, there, there are a couple names that played for the Browns, pretty significant snap counts, nothing crazy. Anderson Dejo, Kevin Johnson, <laughs> uh, Porter Gustin. Here, hold on. There is there is actually one name that I I did want to to bring up before we signed off here, and that was uh, and again saw significant snaps. I mean, maybe not significant, but saw snaps this year out of necessity. Even caught a touchdown pass, Henry, and that is one Kendall Lamb. This is interesting to me. Oh, this is interesting to me from the standpoint of I, I think he was a pretty valuable player. Like we saw. Look, the Browns this season, there, there's a world, and if you play this season back, that we aren't able to overcome some of these over-offensive line woes. And Kendall Lamb was a guy that fit right into whenever he was asked, and and he did, he did a pretty good job for the most part. I remember, <laughs> what game was it? Did he come in for, um, was it Jedrick Wills, when Jedrick Wills went down? Yep, yep. And like the first, the first snap was a false start, and it was kind of like, all right, here we go. But, like, no, he held his own for the most part. I feel like any time Kendall Lamb really had to come in and we didn't have to rely on him to be that guy week to week, he could be a guy that could fill in and you wouldn't really miss a beat. I think there's value there, especially being versatile as he is, being able to play right tackle, being able to play left tackle. I, I even think he might have even played some guard at some point this year with, you know, um, the issues going down there. Uh, Wyatt Teller missed some, uh, some time there. I think that he's a pretty valuable guy. Um $2 million this year. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, if there's value with him throughout the league, kind of seeing the film that, and I think he was able to put out some decent film there. So how other teams view that, we'll see. But I think that uh, there could be some value in bringing back Wyatt Teller, a veteran uh, guy that you can move around on that offensive line. Yeah, I I see that with Lamb. I thought he was fine in, in spot duty, which is really all you can ask for from your tackles. He wasn't horrible. I thought he got beat more obviously than the starters and and so that could be frustrating at times but you're not going to find anybody on as your backup tackle that's probably going to be stellar and of the browns reserve offensive linemen that nick harris the draft pick struggled a ton in that jets game so lamb certainly seems like a better option than him though harris is more of an inside guy center guard yeah harris is gonna be around he's harris is the guy that's gonna eventually replace jc treader you heard it you heard it here first on on the rebuild (laughs) <laughs> well, he's going to have to develop a lot because he got he will, he will. in that Jets game. But in uh, 
uh, yeah, other Browns guys have filled it. I mean, Blake Hans, shout out Northwestern. Uh, he, he filled in some, Chris Hubbard filled in some, but, but I could see Lamb as the best option there. Uh, I thought he was fine. I, I, I thought he blocked well, nicely in the run game. As I said, I thought he got beat on a couple pass rushes. I just looked up his, uh, his pro football focus page real quick, Jordan. And he only had an 80, 87.6 rating for his receiving this season. Why is that not a hundred? Explain to me what Kendall Lamb, Lamb could have done better on his one touchdown catch. If it was a 10-yard pass, maybe they give it to him. <laughs> like, is know. he dinged for the fact that he, he got it only for a couple yards? Because I feel like if you're an offensive lineman and you're one for one on hauling in the touchdown pass, like, that's 100 great. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about it, too. Like, you the, the play that calls play or that play is called in the huddle and you're sitting there like, all right, it's in my head. Like, I know this ball's coming to me. I know this ball's coming to me. This is going to be like the one opportunity I have to, to catch a touchdown pass. So like, it's hard too, when you're thinking about that and, and knowing that that might be your only chance you get throughout your entire career. Come on, give them a hundred. Yeah. I, on, pro football focus. That was, that was harsh. That was harsh. Yeah. As I looked down the rest of this list, I'll be honest, there's not anybody else that really excites me as no. far as, uh, as, as people to talk about. I will say, I will say this about Anderson Day. I, I do want to bring this up because I've never said this before on the podcast. He got better this season. And I know nobody likes to <laughs> nobody likes to say that because he was so bad at the beginning. And it wasn't as though he became a pro bowler or somebody that you would want on this team going forward. But he got better as the season went on and did make a couple of plays. I don't think he'll be back on the Browns roster. He's actually way older than you would think. So I, I would be shocked if he's back on the he's team. 30, he's 34? He's 34 years old. Wow. I, insane, I did not insane. realize he was that old. Yeah, I, I would be, as I said, absolutely stunned. But <laughs> yeah. that being said. I would said, love to sit down. Like Andrew Berry would have to go on like 60 Minutes or something or like HBO Sports uh, and, or something. He'd have to go on somewhere and explain the decision-making behind bringing Anderson Deho back because that would – uh. That would stir some things up for sure. Yeah. I, it just wouldn't it, make sense. Wow. I, yeah, I, uh, it, it, I, I find myself in a weird position here because I, I no longer want to defend Andrews and Deho any more than I just <laughs> yeah. did for about 10 you seconds. Know, you so know, it's I'm not a time when you, when that, you find that, yourself trying to. <laughs> that's probably an indication that, that Jordan has probably time to wrap this, this up <laughs> yeah. because I, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that, that I think he got a little look bit in better, a, a but now I don't want to say anything mirror. else. <laughs> yeah it's like you go have a con- uh you go have a, a a cocktail and have a conversation with yourself after uh making a statement like that <laughs> yeah i might be I, I i might be listening back to this podcast later for editing purposes and being like man i really did try to come to andrews and dejo's defense a little bit but you know, he's the one guy that like can you remember a single browns player in, in the past that like unanimously like I, I had like i swear to god there were like six-year-olds that you watch a Browns game with and you're like, Sandejo kind of sucks, doesn't he? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like unanimously, like every single person that watches the Browns kind of was like, you know, like I have family members, like my brother's not like the biggest uh, sports guy. And he was kind of like, the hell's going on with Sandejo? It's like, <laughs> everyone just kind of, it seemed like everyone just kind of knew that he sucked for some reason. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of it, like, I felt bad for him at a certain point just because it was like, this guy can't catch a break. I thought it would have been perfect poetic justice if he had like a pick against the Chiefs, something like that, and we go on to actually win that game, and it's because of Sendejo after everyone ragged on him all year. But uh, 
I don't know. He he probably deserved it. <laughs> hey, he had a big tackle against the Jets. Uh, he he had, did, yeah. And but the the tough part for him. But we didn't free, win that game. <laughs> yeah, the tough part for him as a free safety is if you mess up, like it, it's it's a touchdown or a huge play, and and he was unlucky too. Where like right. he would mess up a couple plays in a row, and then somebody else would mess up, and he still would be the one making the tackle because he's the free safety, and just be like, oh, there's Andrew Sadeho again. Yeah. So Sadeho you really, again. You re- and he's not he's not exactly a ball hawk, so it's not like he's making interceptions or other like cool plays that free safeties get to make. So basically, every time he popped up, it was because either he or somebody else on the defense screwed up, and, and there was a big play happening, and it happened a lot. It happened too many times, but. Like that's a spot for the Browns where like we'll be better this year just by default, like addition by subtraction. So we we at least got that going for us. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. All right, uh, Jordan, that's all I have as far as free agents. Browns should retain, but just before we go, as always, shout out to the listeners where they can find you in the meantime between podcasts. Yeah, just uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, check out Twitter. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, just started a little Buckeye podcast going on. So again, you can just find the oh. link there. Uh, tweet it all out. Yeah, a little, little, little Buckeye talk. Uh, a little shout out to the uh, 11th ranked pod. Uh, me and my man, Michael Bohm over at ESPN Cleveland, uh, putting that one together there, that's breaking not, down all uh, That's a portrayal of uh, OU. Isn't that where you went to school? Yeah, so I did. But, uh, you know, they, they you know, they're, they're not the best football program. It, it's funny because, like, I, I was always one of those guys, Henry, that was like, I went to OU and I would, I would, I was one of those guys that would kind of be like, I'd see a guy walking the class at OU wearing an Ohio State football jersey. Like, dude, what are you doing? And then now I'm doing an Ohio State podcast. So I, <laughs> I, I guess it all comes, it comes full circle, I guess. They're not the same. But yeah, it, it is. It's a little betrayal. It's a little betrayal to uh, my man Rufus the Bobcat, man. It, it is. He's, some people are looking at me with, uh, you know, some, some, some bad eyes over there at, at OU, but, uh, We'll make it up to them. The, the, our basketball team is uh, doing pretty good right now, man. Uh, good the tournament? MAC tournament. Yeah, the MAC tournament's coming up. They got a pretty good chance to win it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, man. But, uh, yeah, Ohio State basketball doing pretty well, too. So, I, shout out to all those squads. But, uh, yeah, Twitter at J underscore Climax 20. And uh, check out that podcast as well. I had to go awesome. off on my little uh, tangent there. <laughs> no, awesome, awesome. No, I, I, I had to prod you about it. Ohio University a little bit. They uh they they have a special place in my heart basketball wise because one of my best friends John Mino who I'm sure are listening out out there uh he went to or he didn't go but he was a massive massive Georgetown basketball fan growing up uh, and so was his entire family and OU really ruined a Georgetown tournament team when Ohio was a, a 14 seed and yeah. absolutely yes. smashed them <laughs> and watching that uh. It, I think brought John Mino down a little bit. And so that, uh, that, that's my biggest memory of Ohio basketball. And they were like the eight seed in the Mac tournament that year before getting in. So it was pretty wild. So that's, that's my like the only, that's pretty much the only thing I have going for me. And uh, <laughs> so i uh, sorry, sorry to your friend, John, but uh, Hey, I mean, I'll take that for my uh, one Ohio basketball moment that that will live with me forever. All right, and now I'm really, really getting off on a tangent. So we will actually wrap this up for all the listeners out there who probably <laughs> are less interested in my memories of Ohio basketball. But Browns fans, until next time, I hope you enjoyed this one as we talked about Browns free agents and, and some random other topics at the end. And until next time, just two words for you. Go Browns. <laughs>